Hey, we are on page 45, chapter 4, and the title is The Deity of... Man, please calm down. The motivation is overwhelming tonight. Uh, the question there is, Tom, is Jesus Christ God? Yes, that's always a safe answer in uh, Wednesday night Bible study. But uh, here's what the author says at the top of page 45 on this topic. He says, now, if you were to ask this question on the streets of any major city, including, dare I say, Las Vegas... Uh, you would get quite an array of answers. Someone answered negatively, the code word for no, and explained that they think that he was simply a holy man. How many of you guys heard that? Right? If you guys were uh, here for the first study that we've been working on for several weeks now on Sundays, uh, uh, did the Bible really come from God? We dealt with that, uh, people's opinions and how they want to denigrate Jesus. Uh, they may say that his sayings are worth examining, but uh, they're no more valuable than the sayings of other religious leaders like Buddha, Muhammad, or the great confused one. Remember that? We dealt with that before, okay? Uh, but then you might have some other people, many Jews or Muslims, who would go so far as to hold that he was a prophet uh, who was sent by God. Now, if you were there for that study, we clearly saw and Josh McDowell brings this out in his book, I believe, uh, Verdict Demands, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, More Than a Carpenter, the smaller version. If you haven't got that, it's really good. But uh, he talks about, uh, he didn't leave us with that option. Either, as you read the account, logically, Jesus was some sort of a liar. No. Why? That's not right. Well, because logically, when you read the account, that's not consistent at all with the character that we see with Jesus, okay? So he's not a liar, okay? Because he told the truth, even at the expense of his own Lie, okay? A liar would, would not do that. Uh, he's either some form of a, a lunatic, okay, is what we see. But again, that's not consistent with the character that we see uh, with being a, a, a lunatic because, of course, how he loved and took care of people and et cetera, whatever. Or the only other option is the third L in that he was in, indeed who he said he was. He was Lord, and as we're going to see tonight, Lord God, okay? And this is important because we saw last week, if you get wrong who God is, including the Trinity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, you mess things up. Okay, and that's, this, that's what happens with the cults, uh, and they, they always veer off on that. And it's the same thing, this is where we left off last week, if you're here, when it comes to who is Jesus. He is fully God and fully man. He's, he's one of the two. How can you explain that? Uh, I don't know, but that's what the Bible teaches, okay, uh, is what's going on there. How, how, you know, you can come up with analogies, like we saw with the Trinity. Well, I can give you one times one times one equals one, so three ones can still equal one. Uh, and things of that nature, and, and how is Jesus fully God and fully man? That's what the Bible teaches, okay? The Bible also says that God is fully sovereign, yet man is fully responsible for his behavior. How does that work out? I don't know, but that's what the, the Bible teaches. We can come up with analogies and whatever. And again, you're thinking, well, well, then it can't be true if I can't understand it. Actually, think about that, because that actually is a logical, okay, absurdity, okay? Because if God, being the supreme being, who is omniscient, he knows all things, right? Then uh, you and I who are, and he's infinite, uh, you and I who are finite and we don't know all things. How many guys can figure that out yet? How many guys haven't figured that out and that's why you're still having troubles in your marriage and relationships? No, because <laughs> you think you know it all. Okay, but anyway, that's right. We won't go there. That's for a marriage study. Uh, logical absurdity, okay? Only God knows all things, okay? So then if we are having a book about God and we see Jesus who is God, then it's logical that us who do not know everything are not going to understand everything about God. Now think about that. That's completely satisfying philosophically, let alone biblically and logically. You think, well, well you know, because people, they give this concept, like, well, unless I can figure everything out about God and understand all these, well, first of all, the Bible uses words like mystery, the mystery of the church, oh, the manifold wisdom of God. We, the, the height of, uh, of, of uh, pride 
would be that us with our little finite brains can understand the infinite. If we could, now listen to follow the logic. If we could understand the infinite, all things, then that would make us God, right? So by nature, we're not God and we are finite, not infinite like God and we don't know everything. Then it doesn't surprise us that once in a while you come across some things that is not a logical absurdity, it's logical. I expect to not understand everything from God. If I could understand everything about this so-called version of God or somebody's version of God, what kind of a God is that, right? So you can't have it both ways. People want to have their cake and eat it too. And so it is with the deity of Jesus Christ. We may not be able to explain it, but that's what uh, uh, the Bible clearly says. He is God. And really, you know, again, with the analogies, we've talked about many analogies uh, with the Bible. But basically, you've got Jesus is God with flesh on, Okay. That's what Paul says. He came, Philippians chapter 2, to this world in the form of a servant. He took on flesh. Okay, he humbled himself. He came in here. And as we're going to see, uh, boy, does that really help in life a lot when you understand uh, who Jesus is. But let's continue on with that. He says this, uh, but rare is the person who will boldly proclaim that he is the son of God, Jesus, and even less often that he is God. Okay, and yet it's so important, okay? The importance of this question is immense. If Jesus Christ is not God, then he could not have been a sinless sacrifice. Why? Why does he have to be? I kind of gave you a little sneak peek last week at the end of the study, if you remember this. Why does he have to be God in order to be a sinless sacrifice? Why do we have to maintain to the deity of Jesus Christ, not just his humanity? Bingo, Tom, you got it. Because only God is sinless. And that's where we left off. And I was giving a little teaser with the virgin birth at the end of the study last week, okay? That's a very important doctrine. That's not something, well, I just, it was, not, no, don't, because logically it starts to fall apart, roll downhill. Because only God, okay, is without sin, right? If we're going to have a sacrifice in our place to satisfy an infinitely holy, righteous, and just God, he has to be perfect. But in order for it to be a perfect sacrifice, he has to be from outside the realm of man, right? Jesus had to be fully man because only man can die a physical death, okay? Yet Jesus had to be God because God is without sin, okay? And you see what I'm saying? So he has to be both at the same time. You try to do what the cult's doing, you messes it up. And then you, then you start getting to a works-based salvation and things of that nature. He is fully God and he is fully man. And people almost always get the man part. Okay, the humanity part, okay? But it's this deity issue uh, that people just, just want to seem to scoff at and, 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 and choke and it's unfortunate, okay? Thus, if he was not God, his death on the cross was not sufficient to satisfy the righteous demands of the Father. Uh, if this is true, that if he wasn't God, we are hopelessly lost and eternally separated from God, okay? Uh, the code word for that is we're in a hippocus of trebucus, Okay, in case you're wondering right there, okay? Uh, on the other hand, if Jesus Christ is God, then his sacrifice for mankind is sufficient. And as we saw last week, that's why he rose again from the grave because if he did have sin within him, it would not have been acceptable. Death would still have power over him and he would have stayed there. But because he was without sin, death had no hold over him and he raised again uh, from the grave, okay? On the, okay, and then he says this, and he says it this way, and that's why Jesus... Uh, is his sacrifice is sufficient to satisfy the righteous demands of God. He is then, as he stated, the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to a personal relationship with the Father through him is the only way to escape, listen, fiery torment of an eternal hell and inherit the eternal bliss of heaven. But as we all know, um, there is no such place as hell. 
That was there, uh, just put in there by man, inserted in the Bible, unfortunately, with some conspiracy theory, okay, just to manipulate us and make us do what those people from the pulpit say to do to the... How many of you guys heard that one? Okay, it's all over the place. Okay, so they not only denigrate Jesus, they don't deny his deity, which messes up the whole salvation part, okay, and, uh, but they also want to say that he didn't believe in uh, hell. It's like, and I always, I always ask people this question, when they start going down a works-based aspect, um, then go back to the cross. Why the cross? Ask yourself, nine times out of ten, all you got to do is ask yourself, why the cross? And it gets you right back on track, okay? Uh, if there is no hell, why the cross? If we're all going to heaven, why the cross? If we could earn our way to heaven and we didn't need a sinless sacrifice, God putting flesh on, coming here to die, a sinless sacrifice, why the cross? If we had something to do with it or something we had to do to not just get it or earn it or maintain it, why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die, right? Why didn't he just get beat up pretty bad? And then we'll take it on from there, right? You mess with the Trinity, you mess with who God is, the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, and it's humanity and deity, it messes everything up. And that's why we're in these studies today. Why the cross, okay? Uh, he believed in hell. Let me give you a couple examples. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, Jesus said, but I tell you, anybody who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answered to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of, guess what? Hell, that's from Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell okay mark 9 uh he says if your hand caused you to sin if your foot caused you to sin it's better for you to enter crippled uh, uh than to have two feet or to have two hands than to go into hell okay matthew 10 28 jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid wait a second i thought we're not supposed to be afraid of god rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell jesus said that now, as you and I saw, that uh, there, uh, the fear isn't bad. How many guys would say it's probably a good thing to fear fire? How many guys? That's a good fear, right? How many guys would say it's a good thing to fear uh, a giant spider on your head? <laughs> right? I fear those things. I don't care what size they are, right? Okay, but well, that's good. Okay, how many guys would say fear uh, if uh, uh, an elephant was charging at you? Right? I mean, guys, last week, I tell you, Tuesday, I'll leave my office. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, but uh, uh, that's a good fear, okay? And again, I'll give you the classic easy one. You guys should know this. How many guys would say it's a good fear to have of chicken? Okay, all right. Yeah, thank you. You got the point, finally. Okay, but uh, not all fear is bad, okay? How many guys were afraid when dad gave you the look when you did something wrong? And the look was the last step before you do it again. Okay, you're going to get it, right? And that look instilled fear is that bad right it was bad when you ignored that warning sign and it's the same not all fear is bad okay people say well god you should never fear god no when it comes to after being born again okay we're not afraid of losing our salvation or going to hell because that's been satisfied praise god it's more of a relational fear that we're going to get a spanky wanky we're going to get uh, a discipline right nobody likes discipline hebrews 12 talks about okay but if you're not saved you should be afraid of going straight to hell you should be afraid, very afraid of going to hell. Slap a bunch of spiders on your head. That's nothing compared, okay, of going for all eternity into hell, okay? Why the cross? Because Jesus died to take the wrath of God so we can escape from going to hell. That's good stuff. He says, uh, Matthew 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as you are. 
Matthew 23, 33, you snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape from being condemned to hell? Luke 12, 5, but I'll show you whom you should fear. Fear him after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Second time he says that in two different gospels. Luke 16, at the time came when uh, the beggar died, the angels carried him to Abraham's side and the rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony. I'm not partying down here with my buddies. I'm in agony in this fire. Jesus clearly believed in hell. Now, the Bible says that God, of course, is not just just, he is love. And the Bible says that originally hell was created for the devil and his demons, not for mankind, but because man sinned and joined in the rebellion, that's where you're going. But because God loves us, guess what he did? God the Son, Jesus, God, came to this world to take on flesh so he could die the perfect sacrifice on the cross so we could be rescued from that place. You see that? You keep it all together, it's perfectly fine. Just stick to... Uh, the deity and humanity of Christ. Now, let's put it to the test. Is Christ eternal? Yes, good answer. That's right. There's several questions we can ask. And this is important, whether Jesus is God. Why? Because if he is eternal, then he is God. Okay, why? Because only God is eternal. Now, philosophically, that's what's called uh, of God's character. By definition of a supreme being, just philosophically, is one who is uh, omnipotent. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. And he's self-existent meaning he doesn't have a cause for his existence. Well, why is that important? Because if God was dependent on something or someone for his cause, then he wouldn't be supreme, would he? He'd be dependent on somebody. So God, by definition, whether you want to believe in the biblical one and only God, okay, is the one who is self-existent. Okay, so if you're self-existent, then that means you're outside the realm of time and you are eternal. So a basic attribute of deity, of supreme beingness, if you will, that's even a word, is you have to be self-existent you have to be eternal and so that's what we see with jesus first uh we're going to turn to that question if christ is not eternal he cannot be god at the same time if christ is eternal that's your first blank he has to be god because god is eternal okay so what's the bible say well john 1 1 there says in the beginning was the word in the context of course as we saw last time was speaking of jesus the word was with god and the word was god Okay, is what the scripture says. Now, there's a really cool Greek uh, word that's going on here. Uh, and it's this. The word was, in that verse there, okay, in the beginning, was the word, is the Greek word hen. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that has to do with chicken, and it doesn't. Just get that out of your brain. Okay, it's just a Greek word. Okay, it's in perfect tense, and it stresses continual, is your blank there. It stresses continual existence in past time. Okay, uh, and so John indicates uh, that however far back one goes, guess who's there continually existing? God, Jesus, the word in the context. Therefore, when the beginning of time occurred, guess who was already continually existing? Jesus, okay? I, one of my favorite visuals of this, I don't have anything to, I have to do the micro version, <laughs> is, is this little chart here that I've used before. Okay, this is God, and God is in the realm of eternal, okay? This is man, and we're on the realm of time. Now, time has a beginning and time has an end. Okay, but God is eternal. That's why a line by the, uh, the, represented by the line that has two arrows on it. There's no beginning, there's no end. Okay, but we, there was a beginning point of creation, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, in the beginning time, God created, okay, what? The heavens, space, and matter. Time, space, matter. That's our continuum right there in the very first verse, very first page of the Bible tells us about it's in the beginning there was time. Believe it or not, there was a time when there was no time. But there's always been eternity. 
because God is self-existent. Okay, now, there's going to be an end of time. We see that in the book of Revelation at the end. After the great white throne judgment, after the millennium, okay, uh, then there's what's called the eternal state, okay, with the new heavens and the new earth, okay? So there's going to be an end of time, if you will, and it's just going to be the eternal state. Now, you and I are born at a certain time. We die at a certain time. We are on the realm of time. Now, when you look at it from God's perspective, it's really cool because God can see the beginning and the end all at the same time. He could look at any realm of time in man's history, past, present, or future. We're linear. He's not. He's above and beyond it all. As if he's reading through the pages in a book. And then you look at Jesus, and he's the alpha, and he's the omega. He's the beginning, he's the end. He is God, he's eternal. He could see it all. And if Jesus sees it all, okay, no wonder the Bible says that, hey, God already knows what you are going to ask before you even ask. Why? Because he's above and beyond it. He knows it. He knows, the Bible says, uh, we are, are, are gonna bo- we're born on time, we're going to die on time. Job 14, 5. God has determined the length of our lives. We're not given a minute longer. He sees it all. And listen, if God can see your tomorrow, no wonder he says, don't worry about tomorrow. And if God's in our today, today, and he says, just seek me first, my kingdom and my righteousness, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because he's already there. He's already got it mapped out for you. And if he's promised all things are working together for good, then that doesn't mean just today's events. It means tomorrow's and however tomorrow's you have, right? Absolutely awesome. But that's who we see of Jesus. He is eternal. Next page, John 8, 48 to 59. Jesus was uh, talking with the Jews who despised him. Okay, and they tested and, and accused him and trying to get him to incriminate himself. And here's what the text says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. Now the Jews therefore said to him, you are not yet 50 years old And you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Okay? Now, that, if you know, and the Jewish people know, because look at their next reaction. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him because they were trying to start a baseball game. Because that's really where baseball started. No. Why did they pick up stones to throw? Why were they, what, what, in the Jewish culture, when you picked up rocks and threw them at people, what were you trying to do to them? You were trying to kill them. Okay, but Jesus hid himself and went out in the temple. Why? Because he was claiming himself to be the eternal God. Let's grab the context, which the Jewish people knew. Okay, whether you and I understand it, 2,000 years removed. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. Very quickly, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Of course, this is the account where Moses, uh, God calls him out. Okay, this is always encouraging. Moses was 80 years old when God called him into major mega ministry. Isn't that cool? Huh? That's right. All right how, many, how many guys are glad to turn 80? Because that's when you're going to get cut loose in some serious ministry. Something to look forward to. Hey, it's what happened there. Right here, the Bible. Okay. And yeah, how could that happen? Hey, God, what did Moses, uh, he said, I can't do this, God. I don't have the ability. Hey, I don't care where you're at physically. God can supernaturally empower you to do what he says to do and he's called you to do no matter what, for how long, no matter what your body's doing. He can kick you in the gear. Isn't that exciting? Okay, Killed, uh, solid enough time. Let's take a look. Uh, verses uh, 13 through 14. And uh, Moses says this to God. Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, remember, he's an 80-year-old dude, okay? And he says, the God of your fathers, and he's been gone for 40 years, okay, out in the desert. And the God of your fathers... Uh, uh, has sent me to, and they asked me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you to say to Israelites, I am has sent me to you. So clearly that phrase, and of course we know that because the Jewish people knew that because they're trying to kill him for it, but Jesus said, I am. 
And of course, they understood what that meant because they said, excuse me, you're claiming to be eternal now? You're not even 50 years old, dude. And you're saying you saw Abraham? How could you see Abraham? Because he's God. He can see any realm of time all at the same time. This is what's wild. If you put Jesus, I remember one guy doing this analogy. Okay, take it for what it is. He says, Jesus being fully God and he's eternal and he can see the past, present, and future all at the same time. When he is as God uh, on the cross and his humanity uh, is, is dying a physical death, okay, what was going through his mind? Because the Bible says he who knew no sin took on sin, became sin for us, right? That's the sin of everybody in the whole world who would ever get saved, right? And so, so that means all the sin, not just right then and there and the people in front of him and his disciples, that's you and I 2,000 years later and every person who's ever gotten saved and, and, and just all being placed upon Jesus at the cross and he could see it all at the same time and, and then, then being God with the, that eyesight, he can see on the cross, he could see you and me now, the day we got saved, right now, tonight, he could see it all. Every sin, like a giant sponge, was absorbed into him. All past, present, future as God on the cross. Isn't that wild what he did? Only God could do that. And that's who Jesus is. He is fully God. The Jews uh, realized full well what Jesus was claiming as evidenced by the reaction of picking up stones. Christ making the statement before Abraham was, I am, was making a claim to eternality. Here's your blank there eternality and thus deity i am is a reference to exodus 314 we just saw that the jews saw this as christ making a claim to deity is your next blank there and for this they prepared to stone him or tried to for blasphemy hebrews 1 8 is another example the writer of hebrews begins a series of old testament quotations the preference to those statements is but the son of the son he says and so the following statements refer to jesus in the context therefore the statement thy throne O god so again who's God, Jesus, is what? Only when he comes back after the seven-year tribulation, the millennial kingdom? No, forever and ever. And so again, that's a clear reference to not just Jesus being God, but because he's God, he's eternal. That is what he is, the eternality of Christ. Uh, see also Isaiah chapter nine. Turn to there real quickly, Isaiah nine. This is one of those Christmas verses, okay? But it's, and we all know it's speaking about Jesus, but it's like it's tucked in there and we sing about it, but do we have any idea, okay, what we are singing about okay isaiah chapter 9 okay isaiah's brother was i don't know <laughs> i don't know either well maybe we'll find out if you had a brother but anyway that's right i got your attention that worked how do you like that one tom new technique fresh up just for you bro okay uh, 9 verses 6 through 7 let's take a look and clearly speaking of jesus we know this we sing this every year for to us a child is born who are we talking about jesus okay to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Jesus, listen, the Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty who? God, but keep reading, everlasting father, okay, his eternality, prince of peace and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be what? No end. He is God, he is eternal. Why is that important? Because God, by definition, is eternal. He's self-existent and those are applied to Jesus, so guess what? That makes Jesus. He is God, okay? Now, does Jesus possess the attributes of God? Yes, he does. And we saw that again on our first study on how do we know the Bible came from God? But let's take a look at that. Uh, his eternality, obviously, as we just saw, proves he's God. Only God has always existed. He's always existed. He's the creator who himself is uncreated, 
Okay, otherwise, again, he'd be dependent on some outside source, which would make him not supreme. And so by definition, he could not be God. But if Christ is God, he should also exhibit all the attributes, is your blank there, all the attributes of God. Okay, let's take a look at that. The Bible says that Jesus has and is life, right? Who's the author of life? Who's the finisher of our faith? Who is the, who's, you know, we say, well, God gives life. Well, listen to this. Just speaking of Jesus, uh, John 1, 4, in him, Jesus was what? Life, okay, and the life was the light of man. Self-existence, John chapter five. For just as the father has life in himself, even so he gave the son also to have life in himself. Again, you see Jesus, you see God, okay? And immutability, that's a fancy living word. You won't get that on the back of our granola bar. I'll tell you what. Uh, it means unchangeable, Tom. Thanks for asking. Uh, Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today, and yes, in case you're doubting, forever. Okay, once again, forever, eternality. Okay, and, and isn't that a comfort to know? Isn't it wild that we put all of our, you talk about the ultimate security, right? It seems like this world wants to get all of our securities in what? And a, a, a good bill of health or, or a lots of finances or a, a secure job or, or this or relationships or all this stuff. And, the, and all those things come and all those things go, don't they? This side of heaven. But when you got your hope, when you got your security in Jesus Christ, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he said a promise and if he made a promise to you and I uh, yesterday, 2,000 years ago, praise God, it's good today and it will always be good forever. That's where our security uh, needs to lie. Okay, as well as he's also in the Bible, truth. Truth itself, okay? He is love, okay? Holiness, eternality, omnipresence. He's everywhere all present. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And lo, I'll be with you always, okay? Is what he says there. Omniscient, he knows all things. And omnipotent, omniscience. We've seen passages last week when he even knew what people were thinking. He knew what were in their hearts. Only God could do that. How many guys uh, know of many people today that are still alive because you don't know what they're thinking? That's right, it's called the key to a successful marriage. No, <laughs> you probably don't want to know what you're thinking at times, but to praise God, we're not God. Okay, but Jesus does, as we saw last week, and he still loves us. Isn't that awesome? Oh, why the cross? Because, man, we need a lot of forgiveness, don't we? Right? Okay, and, and he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. Man, aren't you glad to know that uh, uh, Jesus can only do about 10 things? There's so many things, he's so inept, he just can't handle it. And just, we, we got to do it all of ourselves and struggle in our strength and our own power and self-help conferences. No, he can do it all, man, he's all-powerful, he's all okay? Jesus uh, is God. These verses show that Jesus Christ possesses the very attributes of God, therefore logically, that's right, even without eating soup tonight, and I figured this out, you know, uh, Christ is God, okay, right? Because we see that he doesn't just make the claim, uh, but he shows it with his eternality, and he shows it with having the very attributes of God, okay? Now, here's another one. Again, we saw this on the study. Uh, the first one, does, did the Bible uh, really come from God? Was Jesus the creator? Well, why is that important? Because who created all things? God, okay? In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God, is your blank there, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Now, according to this verse, God is the creator of all things. How many guys figured that out tonight without any help? You guys are sharp, okay? But in the New Testament, we make this uh, startling discovery. And this is the verse we saw before, Colossians 1. For by him, and speaking of Jesus, all things were what? Created. And in case you doubt, uh, both in the heavens and on the earth and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him, Jesus, and for who? 
Jesus. That's why, guys, before you got saved, you had that goofy hole in your heart. You ever, you ever do that? And if you're anything like me, you tried all kinds of things that were square pegs, okay, that never fit in the heart. You tried the, the, the pleasure, you tried the, the drugs, you tried the education, you tried the relationship, you tried money, you tried materialism, you tried all those things, and it just, just didn't satisfy, did it? But the moment that you entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, hey, something finally fit. Why? Because you and I were created by him for him. We don't enjoy the for him until we have a relationship with him why the cross? That's why. He brought us back into that relationship, and now that hole is filled. That's awesome. Okay, let's continue on. Uh, this passage in Paul's letter to the Colossians reveals that it was the Father's beloved Son who created, is your blank there, who created the heavens and earth, as well as the angelic host. Okay? Not only did he create them, but they were created for him, is your blank there. Okay? That he is the creator is again confirmed by the Apostle John in John 1 3 there he states all things came into being by him Jesus and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being how can you get more clear than that okay and by the way I'll say this even after we get saved and sometimes we don't feel satisfied we don't feel, we, we I call it being a restless Christian okay even though you've got if you got Jesus you got everything okay you, you got the whole field you're complete and that's what the Bible says our completeness is found in Christ is what the scripture says we're complete Right? But what's the world do the moment that you get saved? They continue doing that same thing. No, you can find your completeness in something else other than Jesus. Don't seek him. Don't seek that intimacy with him. Don't come to studies. Don't come to services. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't witness. Don't do all that stuff that just enables you to enjoy that completeness in him. They just want to get you away from him so that you'll dry up. Isn't that just like the evil one? So here the hymn refers to the word in verse 1. The word is revealed to be Jesus Christ in verse 14 where it states that he took on human flesh and mankind was able to behold his glory. Isn't that while God, the invisible God, took on flesh so we can see him? If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Okay, these passages make it clear that Jesus Christ is God the creator. Here's your blinker. All right, well, how about his titles? We've seen that uh, he possesses the attributes of God. He's eternal. He's the creator. How about his titles? Yes, he does. Okay, there's many texts in the New Testament there in which Jesus is directly called God. And these can uh, especially be seen if you know the Koine Greek. Koine, uh, the Bible was written in the Old Testament, uh, Hebrew, almost completely, except for a portion of Aramaic. Okay, and then the New Testament, of course, was written in what was called Greek or Koine Greek. Koine meaning common. where we get our word communion, Koine. Okay, is what it means. And when we celebrate communion, we celebrate what we have in common and what makes us one is the body of Christ. That we have in common, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ has made us one in him, whether uh, a slave nor free or Jew nor male, etc., uh, etc. Et okay, uh, or Jew or Greek, uh, male or female. Okay, uh, so here's what he says. Listen, this, this is cool. Paul says this to Titus on the island of Crete. And he says this. He says, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of, now the word there, of, okay, is the Greek word to, okay? And uh, then uh, it's uh, uh, our great God and, and that's your conjunction. Oh, you guys know that song's coming. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I don't know the rest of the song. Let's continue on. Okay, anyway, but you know, yeah, that's a good song. It's a conjunction and the function is 
you put these two together, it's really cool because what it means is one and the same. You can't separate these two as other the, the cults would try to do when they try to slam and take away the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Granville Sharp rule of Greek grammar states that when you combine these two together, joined by chi, the conjunction there, and the first one has the article, the two, okay, that the two nouns are referring to the same thing. You can't split them in there, okay? When he says, to the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, he's not talking to the glory of God, uh, and you can, oh, well, that's referring to the Father, and, and then that's just referring to Jesus. No, you just broke basic Greek grammar rules. It's specifically put there, everything, every jot, every tittle of scripture, including the Greek, okay, is there inspired by the Holy Spirit on purpose, and it literally means one and the same thing. Hence, the great God, is your blank there, and Savior both refer to Christ Jesus right so when it says there our great god you might as well just say this appearing of the glory of our great god jesus and savior christ jesus that's just what it's saying there and that's just one example we see another one second peter on the next page 48 simon peter a bondservant and apostle of christ jesus to those who have received a faith of the same kind of ours by the righteousness of to our god kai and savior jesus christ and so again he's directly referred to as god you can't separate the two so let's translate it correctly uh, by the righteousness of god our god jesus and our savior jesus that's just what it's saying one and the same okay very very explicit and clear in the scripture but you don't need to know that's right the what was that let's all memorize this granville sharp rule of greek grammar okay in case you didn't read that on the back of your granola bar either okay it's time to get a new one you know what i'm saying but uh, anyway, uh, hey, maybe that's an inspiration. We can come up with our own granola bars here at Sunrise that actually has a practical biblical information on the back. Hey, they laughed at the guy with the pet rock. Whatever, we've got to finish this chapter. Uh, we also have direct references to, as we saw last week if you were here, Thomas' mission in John 20, 28, when after seeing Christ nail pierced hands and spear pierced side, he proclaimed, my Lord and my God is your blank there. So again, you don't need to know the Greek grammar rules. Okay, it's good to know because the skeptics would want to splice those two and you can't, okay? Uh, You're being the one who's being dishonest. Okay, but you don't even have to do that. The scripture clearly says Jesus is God. The title son of God, son's your next blank there, also indicates God, okay? Not just a title, uh, it means God. Jesus claimed that the son of God, to be the son of God on a number of occasions. The, this name for Christ is frequently misunderstood and sometimes uh, some suggest it means that the son is inferior. Well, he's just the son of God. Okay, not just, you need to understand what that title meant. The Jews knew, just like when he said, I am, and excuse me, you, you're, you're claiming to be God who is eternal and you're not even 50 years old and you said you saw Abraham, what? okay. And so when he's saying son of God, you, you and I may not understand it, but they knew that's a significant title speaking of deity. Okay, and that's what it says there. The Jews understood the claim that he was making when he called himself the son of God. They knew he was making himself to be equal with God. Okay, so his titles speak of that. The fact that he is the creator speak of that. The fact that he's, his eternality speaks of that. The attributes of God, he has them all, uh, speaks of his deity. But let's take a look at some... Final proofs tonight, Jenna. Okay, uh, as a few last proofs can be pointed out to show that uh, Jesus Christ is God, full deity. The first is that he had authority to forgive sins. The authority to forgive sins, okay? 
And uh, in Mark 2, Christ was at Capernaum at his home. Many, many people came to him to hear him teach. Four men brought in a paralytic on a pallet to Jesus, but there were so many people around the house, they couldn't get in the door. So they climbed up on the roof and removed some tiles. They let him down on the pallet into the house. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Right? Why would he say that? Why didn't he just say, like we have recorded other times, uh, that, uh, okay, pick up your mat and walk. Well, do you think that maybe it's yet another opportunity in the scripture that we have recorded for us that he isn't just a man? He's God. Why? Because only God can forgive sins. Okay, is what he's talking about. The scribes reason in their minds that this was blasphemy since God alone can forgive sins. The fact that Jesus can forgive sin proves his deity. And notice that they wanted to kill him for it, but he didn't rebuke the people. Uh, for, oh, no, don't. I'm sorry. I, I, I made a mistake there. Uh, you know, I should never have said that I could forgive sins. So because he never did that. The other thing he didn't do is he did not correct people when they worshipped him. And the Bible is very clear, Old and New Testament, who's the only one we worship? God, okay, and that's what we see here as we close. The deity of Jesus Christ is lastly implied by the fact that he receives worship as God. Only God is to be worshipped. Thus, the worship of someone else by God's people would indicate his deity. Okay, we've already seen Thomas' worship of Christ at his post-resurrection appearance when he proclaimed, my Lord, my God, an act of worship. At the triumphal entry, Jesus applied the chanting of the young people to himself by quoting Psalm 8-2, Okay, out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, thou hast prepared praise for thyself. That's speaking of God. God has prepared that out of the mouths of babes and infants. Praise, okay? But yet Jesus was referring that to himself, which means he is God. But it's talking about praise. It's talking about worship. And he says, yeah, you're right. Worship me. Okay, it's what he's talking about. In Philippians 2, 9 through 10, Paul indicates there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Here's your blank there. Thus Jesus Christ was, is, and will be worshipped. Is your final blank there. Shall be worshipped as God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? It says there every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? Did you know that that includes Satan and the demons? Okay? Jesus Christ is God. They have to do whatever he says to do. They're not loose cannons on the deck. No matter what they throw, folks, there's going to come a day, and oh, I hope that we're there to see it, when we will see all of hell and the demons and Satan himself have to bow a knee before our great Lord and mighty master, the warrior of mankind, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they have to bow and buy lake of fire forever. Hope I'm there, okay? Jesus Christ, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. That's what he says. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Okay, he is the invisible God, okay? You think, well, how do I, yeah, well, if it's invisible, then it can't be real, right? How many of you guys have heard that one? That's illogical. We've talked about this before, okay? How many guys right now, uh, can see the radio waves that are beaming through this auditorium. Please say no. Thank you. Good answer. <laughs> How many guys can see the television waves that are beaming through this? Right. How many guys can see the chicken fumes that are coming out of your mouth? For those, I can see that. I come out of you. It's from tonight. <laughs> you guys can't see, but I have that special vision. No. Okay. Uh, okay. But anyway. 
No, you got it wrong there, but that's, that's illogical. Actually, I'm just on a mission from God to spare mankind from the evils of... No, okay, but I digress. But anyway, he's invisible. All right, so, so therefore, radios and televisions are not real. No, just because... Right, the, the wind. And the D just gives it, he gives this example, doesn't he? He says the wind blows wherever it pleases. You don't see it. Right? And so it is with, with God. Okay, I don't see the wind. I see the effects of wind. I don't see the radio waves and I don't see the television waves, but if I have a proper receiver, I can pick them up. But just because I can't see something doesn't mean that it's not real. The scripture is clear that God is invisible, but get this, God came to the realm of mankind here, took on flesh, Philippians 2, and for a moment in time, and he's coming back, we get to see him again in the flesh, okay? That for a time, the apostles got to see the invisible almighty God literally walking around absolutely amazing and this is important okay let me share with this story and we'll close a little girl was afraid of the dark and every night on cue and despite what her parents did to prevent it she would come into her parents room and climb in bed with them that has never happened to any one of his parents here tonight right yes we're still dealing with it happened last night okay patiently i'll wake up one of these days uh patiently and persistently the mother would pick up this little girl and carry her back to the room Usually saying something like this, honey, there is nothing to be afraid of. God will watch over you. Right? He's with us wherever we go. Night after night, uh, uh, after night, after night, after night, this happened. And then one night, the little girl came in and climbed in bed with her parents yet again, says, I'm scared. I want to be with you. So the mother picked her up again and took her back to her own room and saying what she always said. She says, honey, there's nothing to be afraid. God will take care of you. He's with us wherever we go. And this time, the little girl responded, mom, sometimes I just need somebody with skin on. Then that, that was actually supposed to be in a reader's digest. I don't know if that's a true story or not. It could be. Okay. But isn't that true? You know, sometimes we sit there and we know that God is real as Christians. We know that he exists. But then sometimes life gets the best of us. We get scared of our circumstances. We get scared of the darkness. We get scared of something. Okay. And then sometimes we just act like maybe God's on the backside of Pluto. What's going on? And we don't take him in his word when he says all things work together for good. I know uh, about you. But listen, God is with us wherever we go. All right? He does have skin on. His name is Jesus. And the place that you find out that wonderful truth is right here in the Bible. He is fully man and he is fully God. There's nothing to be worried about, not even the dark, not even your dark circumstances. Uh, you just need to trust God who at one realm of time came, put skin on, and he's coming back soon. Okay, and we get to see him with the skin back on. Okay, and uh, what a day that's gonna be. When you understand who he is, he is God. He's with us wherever we go. We don't have to be afraid of anything and that's why he says don't worry about tomorrow i'm already there okay you just seek me first my kingdom my righteousness and all these things will be added unto you amen let's pray well hi this is billy crone of get life ministries and i hope you were blessed with this study but in closing let me ask you one final question if you were to die today are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. 
The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, 
the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.